Well, you can't. You can see around behind you, but your body is blocking part of your view. Yeah, there can be know? anything behind Sam right now. None of us know it's. <laughs> you guys are freaking me it out. Could be okay? a monster. <laughs> Stop it. Butterscotch. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode two seventy six of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I remembered when to do this this time. I'm Sam, and I'm a caster of illusions. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is September 11th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything that happened in this show, and there's going to be profanity. So if you have an issue, you know, with that kind of a thing, then you may not want to listen. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thanks. Let's nice talk work. about life. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about life. Specifically, Adam has mutated into a Paul Bunyan-esque figure who lumbers around his yard with an axe, harvesting the fruits of the earth. Yeah. If, if you could basically now take that image and turn it into its most minuscule and boring form, then that is what my is life a, as a Paul Bunyan looks like. Mm, or strips John of away. Just yeah. kind of walking around picking berries. Yeah. We, yeah it's, <laughs> one those, it's one of those things that like, you know, we grew up in the country as 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 we we babbies and uh, and we would do chores constantly. Just we just doing chores all the time. Mowing a lawn for four hours, going out and cutting down thorn bushes in the woods, uh, harvesting stuff out of the garden, like the whole thing, right? And at the clearing time, out debris and brush, clearing out debris, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and uh, and there were some fun aspects of that because then you got to like eat the stuff that you found, which was cool, or take uh, a machete to, and behead. You to, yeah, you got to use a machete. You got to burn piles of of you know old wood. Like, there were some fun parts of that, but I still like in childhood. I know that most of the most of the time I was just like disgruntled about having to do all these chores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so then then you leave the nest. You know, you go like in my case, go to Chicago. There's not even a, there's aren't even trees there, right? What's and a then, chore? What's a there chore? There's no like, chore. I'm busy. I'm just studying. Like I'm just studying and living in a tiny tiny space with no greenery, right? Uh, and then I go to Dallas, which is even worse. It's like a concrete desert, right? It's just just hot. And the the neatest plant you ever see is like is is literally concrete. My understanding of, of my understanding of Texans is they see a plant and they're like fuck this and then they pave it immediately. Yes, mm-hmm. this is that, okay. This, yeah, Houston, Dallas, yeah, it's just pavement, just as far as the eye can see, and then and then a handful of palm trees. So uh, so so that, then that was my life for the next like that was my adult life as I as I, I guess as I was metamorphosing into an, an, an adult right. Mm. Uh, so as that time drags on and you start to go crazier and crazier because all you see is concrete. And you don't get to go outside, right? Then you start reminiscing about, oh, remember when remember you could just plants. go outside, you know? <laughs> and there were plants. And like, and when you like had property, you know? I mean, of course, it wasn't ours. It was our parents. But like, it felt but like there our was property, a, right? Well, we, we talked in the past about the concept of projectile freedom, where you could yeah, yeah, go outside right. and throw, throw, a a, throw a stick and – and you're not going to hit someone. Yeah, or in our or, case, as children, <laughs> like shoot a shotgun into the air or whatever. Because we had there was like so much space, you could just whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you start like you start, yeah. So you start so I start like reminiscing on you start you start getting this nostalgia factor, right? Like oh, it would be so great. You start getting the romantic notion of oh, if I had my own yard and I could like plant I could plant some stuff, I could like grow some things and eat it, you know, the whole thing. Uh, and so finally, as like my wife and I, like as true adults now, you know, got got our first house when we moved to St. Louis, we made sure we had a yard, um, a fairly spacious one. Um, 
and we were just so excited. We get to, we get to now live the romantic dream of having our yard and growing things and like planting cool plants and the whole deal. That lasted all of you know one summer, and then we we're like, God, this is a lot of work. This sucks. Oh right, the chores part. Oh, right, the chores part. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, so then, then now we're dealing with the consequence of that, which is that, so you get this sort of hybrid where like it is always still every year, like fun for a moment. And then for that, it's just chores. So it's just a, so it's just a long story getting to the point where we talked about pawpaw trees in the past because every year at this time, our, our one pawpaw tree that we didn't even know was a thing that we just inherited by buying our house uh, just begins to spit pawpaws. All over the yard. It's like right? a fire like hose. A, like, like a, a Gatling pawpaw gun. And, and they're at such a quantity that like at first it's kind of fun. So you're like, oh, yeah, like there's these cool fruits. They're really weird. They taste really good. Uh, and then after a couple of days, they just keep coming. And mm-hmm. like by the time you get out there, <laughs> they've been half eaten by animals and bugs. And so and they're starting to rot and they smell like booze. Yeah, the only equivalent experience I have is, is when you go to the grocery store and you accidentally buy way too big a thing of bananas. Yes, you know it's exactly that. You eat the first couple, and you're like, "Oh God, bananas are great!" And then suddenly they're all brown, and you're like, "I have to eat seven bananas in the next yeah. 24 hours." Or yeah. this <laughs> is going to be pawpaws are even worse because they get ripe even faster. Mm-hmm. And then like a banana, which just gets like like weirdly brown, like in, in too brown, and you're like, "I don't trust this." And you just like, but mm-hmm. it's still in a case and so on, right? These things like turn they turn into like literal mush, right? As you if you wait for just a, a day too long, and you can smell them the whole time. You don't smell bananas really, right? Until yep. they get very ripe. But these you smell the whole time, so you're just like getting this like increasingly. Anyway, so that's <laughs> so that's like one part of our yard, right? But we still every year we try like we plant some herbs, we plant some, we just try to plant something. Like we we have a, some weird pepper plant growing right now that has just covered in peppers that we now don't want to eat. Uh, and so like so the whole thing. But we also mentioned a few episodes ago we were talking about aphids um, that I that I have an elderberry bush, which is spectacular and huge. And then so this year ended up being just covered and dripping with, with berries. And so I've been harvesting those and, uh, and now have three little jars of liqueurs that I have concocted, mm. um, with, with basically experimental different levels. So, so apparently elderberry, most parts of an elderberry, actually all parts of elderberries are toxic. So you mm. can only eat them if you like cook them into a jam or something, or apparently supposedly from everything that I read about making, the liqueur, if you steep if you steep them in booze long enough, you destroy whatever the stuff is that makes you sick, right? Supposedly. How long is long enough? I don't know. And and <laughs> the uh, the stems, like the little, because like they're tiny, like they're tiny, tiny berries are like, yeah, like yeah. smaller than a pea, right? Um, and they have little stems because they come like this big head with just like tons of tiny little stems, like this kind of branching thing with little berries at the ends. And the stems are toxic. Like everything's toxic, but like the berry part itself is actually the least toxic. So when you're reading about how to prepare these things, you're like, try to get all the stems out. Make sure you don't have any fully green ones because the greener they are, the worse they are in terms of toxicity. And uh, but they're tiny, right? So like to get them off, you bet you use a fork and you just like you just like scrape through the thing mm-hmm. and just like kind of pop all the little berries off. But of course, like half the time they come with a tiny stick on the yep. end. Yep. So my wife and I spent one. Very horrible evening uh, with this with this like giant thing of these things. Like first getting them all off the the main thing, and then like going through and like pulling out and like yanking out all the tiny green ones, and then trying to get the tiny sticks off. You know, like doing that. So we did that for like it was literally like a three hour night, uh, and we, the, end, the end result was like a pint of these things. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so we were like never again. So then I did an experiment where I then did the same thing, except now I just didn't do that step. I just like yanked them off with a fork, which still was labor intensive and sucked. Uh, but now I didn't go through and hand pick off all those tiny sticks, right? Mm-hmm. So 
now I've got two jars, right? So one is fully de-sticked. So one may be liquor. One may be poison. One might be poison. Yeah. So so, so that way we can do taste tests and find out do they taste different. And then also, does one make us feel very bad? Because if it turns out that it doesn't, then now that's ours we get to save next year, right? Yeah. But then I learned by Mm – so the idea was – so last year, uh, we somehow missed the berries somehow. Uh, presumably it was because with the romantic notion went away. It was hot outside. We just said, fuck this. Didn't go outside You're dealing for with the two months. Problem. Dealing with the pawpaws, <laughs> the whole thing. And we just like missed it. And my my belief then as a consequence was that, oh, that window must be short. Where it's like where there are berries we can get and things haven't eaten them yet. Right? Mm-hmm. Turns out that that window is not short. We have now I've now learned this year because the first round of harvesting was like shit a month ago or something. And because they, they were like the berries are turning purple. And I was like, oh, God, I got to get them now. Right? And there were still green ones in there. And then I just went outside last week and like the the berries are now black and there's still a million of them. Like they're clearly way more ripe than they were last mm-hmm. time, right? And so I just went ahead and did it again. And then it turned out now when you do a little fork trick, they just come right off. There's no sticks or anything. They just oh, fly right uh, You just mistimed it. I just mistimed it. And so now I got a third jar, which is like these ones are probably actually good. <laughs> so we could do the taste test in all in all three cases. But I Dang. cooked half of them and then also did that. So now I've got four experiments going. My favorite part, though, is if you ever make jam, especially in this case, I could see this being hilarious because making jam is one of the weirdest things as far as just how many f- pounds of fruit you need oh, yeah. to it's make crazy. literally like the, a thimble of yep. jam. Because when you, <laughs> when you actually boil these things down, they turn into almost nothing. So I would imagine mm-hmm. the sheer effort of like – Collecting all of these elderberries, getting the sticks out so no one dies, yeah. and then and then melting them down into what is, probably turns into almost nothing for like an entire yeah. freaking bush of these things. Because you imagine that three hour night boiling it down and getting you know, like a, a freaking teaspoon, a tablespoon yeah. of jam. Well, and, and these ones I did. <laughs> oh, so, so actually, so this final batch, I was like, okay, cool. So now that I know this, like I can now next year I'll just wait for a long time. So mm-hmm. I got that covered. But also, I know these things are toxic. So I was like, what happens if I cook them first? Mm-hmm. Right. But when you cook them, you do that to make jam because when you cook them, they basically start to dissolve, right? And you can't then filter out the berries and keep the berries because there aren't any berries left now. Yep. It's just a goo, right? So I was like, okay, I'll just boil it like real fast and then throw it in. So, But the single boiling like for just getting it to boil made the volume go down by half right? Yep. in terms of like <laughs> what's actually left. And it pulled off like all the good purple coloring. So now they're like turning greenish again. And so I was like, okay, this is probably – I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I, I went and did it anyway. So I got all these fun experiments going. Mm. But – has also, this made you who appreciate wants to any of this? Has this made you appreciate the transition away from being a hunter gatherer society? You know, to like uh, imagine go out and just buy a thing in a store society. Yeah, like imagine if that was just your your day, just every day. You yeah, know, just go out, just get, just pick all these little, and of course you wouldn't have had a fork. Yes, because right? I wouldn't have been a thing. I mean, you so probably said you just out there though. make some tools. You, for this you might have had some kind of little. Pronged stick or something, mm-hmm. trying to scrape these berries off, and then just like all day, you're just hunched over a pot stewing these berries, yeah. trying to get them. To- what's funny though is when they look at the when they look at the like total work output of of these uh, more like nomadic and hunter gatherer societies. What you see is actually that people work only like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're so fucking tired. The rest of the day. No, they're just chilling. From stewing these berries. They just like go on like one little hunt or like, you know, cook up some stuff or whatever. And then, uh, and then apparently like a lot of it's just spent kind of. Yeah, I think it's if you don't have to deal with the winter. That's the one. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're prepping for winter, that's when you're. It's like if you, if you actually make a homestead in a place that has a winter, 
then that's when you start to deal with the problem. And it is true. Like if you play survival games, they're, they're honestly fine until winter comes, right? Yep. And then you're toast. If you didn't prepare for that, if you weren't like canning things and doing all this stuff. Um, but it is, yeah, it is one of those things. Like it's every year the romance comes back in the fall or the spring. I mean, where you're like, oh God, yes. Like, look, it's so this. bountiful. And plant <laughs> stuff. And like, oh, it's going to be so spectacular. Like, this year we're going to plant these things. We're going to make this stuff with the end result. And then every year you start, you get into summer when it's just hot. And you haven't taken care of anything. And now you got to go though, harvest I mean, stuff. And you don't get to harvest stuff on your terms. You have to, like, when it's ripe, it's ripe now, right? Yeah. You know? I think it, de- it depends on what the point of being alive is, right? Because I think if, if the point was just to be comfortable, you know, then, like, sure. There's no point in, frankly, pushing just about anything, whether it's Well, a that's definitely skills. a big goal, though, I feel like. It is a big goal, definitely. But I think it, it's one of those weird ones where it's, I think, the, the seat of being comfortable should be to plant more elderberry bushes. You know, so next yeah. year you're like even more mad about it. But at the same time, now you got all this cool stuff going on. You got yeah, you got stores, cool stuff going you know? on. Uh, the nice thing about the elderberries, ass. though, is if I do just leave them alone, birds will eat them, bugs will eat them. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Papas, though, I cannot leave those alone. <laughs> those are, otherwise, you just have a rotting pile of mush in my entire yard. So. Yeah, that's gross. But then monkeys will show up and eat them and then get drunk. <laughs> I think, them. yeah, I think it's likely there have been monkeys out there because, you know, by monkeys, I mean people. <laughs> Oh yeah, because <laughs> because pawpaws happen. are they're they're like they're a they're they're a rare enough thing actually like like in in Missouri they're they're kind of plentiful on that and you could go foraging right and and actually find them but you would have to go foraging right I'm pretty sure every year around this time there are human beings who we don't know who just come in and start taking all of our pawpaws which honestly <laughs> is great I'm fine with it fine. Um, yeah <laughs> no breaking your nurturing unless put, next time pawpaws. just put up a sign that's yep. like take pawpaws please oh my god help me yep. but don't steal anything uh, then, while you're here and then also uh, Adam you've been spending quite a bit of, of your your non pawpaw and non uh, hunter gathering time doing some programming and Sam you've been yeah. doing a lot of uh, a lot of art practice in the evenings as well so let's mm-hmm. talk about that how you guys doing yeah and also I want to apologize that. if you hear me eating mini eggs I can feel my blood sugar kind of going low and <laughs> so like. Trying to raise it back up while we're mid podcast. So yeah, you're down, crunching down some a mini eggs. Just, just don't even worry about it. Well, Sam, Sam, you you pick up the mantle here while Adam chops down some mini eggs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So uh, basically, what I guess what's what's going on? We, I, I think a lot of the podcast listeners know we've been working on Crash Dance Two pre production stuff, and we're getting into uh, a bit further into the, the visual development phase, which has been a combination then of doing technical art to figure out our new pipeline, uh, as well as you know trying to figure out how we really want this thing to look, what uh, aspects of it we want to push on, uh, where the charm is going to be delivered, that sort of thing. And so a big part of my job in those last couple of weeks has been, it's been a combination that of spending you know, most of the time actually either, either on the technical side or on the design side, and then a portion of the time uh, doing some art. And so the issue I've been having is that uh, that split, it's far easier for me, I don't know if it's a natural thing or just because of, you know, writing and design being something that seems like it's more baked into my my experience from my early days. Uh, but when it comes to doing the art, what I found is that if I go if I go you know more than a couple of days without having done something, um, make made something new, try to design a creature or design frankly anything, uh, then I get really rusted, like really rusted to the point where when I come back to it uh, to sit down for you know a seven hour stint during work day to try to knock out some uh, basically a prototype visual for a character or something like that, then it's just maddeningly frustrating. And on top of that, uh, the output is not like, I'm not having a good time. Right. Uh, it's essentially the feeling of the feeling of just trying too hard 
and not having anything happen. And so uh, this, this, I experienced this last uh, Thursday very keenly. And so over the long weekend, then um, I looked up some art communities and some of the stuff like that, where there's kind of like daily challenges and things like that going on uh, and found one based on a YouTuber called cynics uh, who I really, really like, who's does has really incredible YouTube videos that talk about basically how to think while you're doing art. And he's got this little discord crew going and basically assigns has an assignment come out every day. That's like a little challenge. Um, I think the one for today is to, uh, they're, they're completely different every single time. So the one today is to redesign Pikachu as a grass or rock type Pokemon. So yesterday was oh. make a cyberpunk castle, you know, that sort of thing. So it's all over the place. Uh, and it's game jams. Yeah, it's basically game jams. And so what I've been well, also, That's is, a fun kind of challenge too, because it's basically asking you to say, take a, take a thing that is kind of known. And then take this concept and ask, like, what is the essence? Like, what does mm-hmm. it mean for them to be grass type? Right? Yep. Like, yeah. What does it What does it mean to have? Wait, which one did you rechange to 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 grass type? Which anyway? What are the Pokemon? Pikachu. Was? Pikachu. So what is like? What is Pikachu? What is Pikachu's essence? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a cool. That's a cool way to try to do that. Yeah, it's a really fun uh, series of assignments and stuff. And then you get, to, of course, you just post them in the in the Discord. And you know, I think you know, there's not that many people doing it, but it's it's one of those things where. You know, it's just it's just a nice little thing to be doing. And so I've been spending then I over the weekend I spent on each assignment, I think each one took me like the first two were literally six or seven hours each. So that was basically Saturday and Sunday was just doing that. And then starting on uh, Monday, then they suddenly started like having in t- total time. Um, and so now I'm down to like probably an hour and a half or two uh, per one of these things. And I've been keeping it up this through this whole week, uh, which some people who follow uh, who follow on my Instagram. I've seen a couple of the things that have popped out of that uh, as well as some other random things that have popped out. Um, and so it's been, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's, so people can follow you. I, I you was going to say it, but I actually don't even know what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jenny will put it in the notes for the. It is. It is. I don't even know how to look at it. This thing. I literally don't even know how to freaking use Instagram. How do you so, use I Instagram? I feel like an old man. Bscotch underscore Sam. There you go. There you go. Whoa. Uh, clever. Yeah. So what's what, what's happened from this though is that then two interesting things. So one is that it's gotten it's been very fun now. So after this, those first couple of days of genuinely having to kind of bolt myself into my chair and just struggle for seven hours straight, uh, getting back into it, uh, it's been very fun now. And then my work output uh, this week, when it comes to hopping into designing some characters or else, uh, has been uh, I would I would say it. I think Adam and Seth could probably speak to it too. But it seems like the quality has gone just went up sort of an insane amount. Cause I, I tried to do a creature concept a couple weeks ago and it was like, it was fine. Uh, not much of anything. And then awesome. these new ones I just did uh, this last week were, or this yesterday were just like all over the place, like very fun, like very wild, uh, different designs and kind of all over the place. And there were like 12 of them. Exactly. And it actually uh, took less time than the six that yeah. I put out. that were almost exactly the same before that. Yeah. I, I actually had an almost identical experience um, in working on some of the game systems. Uh, for Crashlands 2 in this in this early early stage, um, where for the first because we're we're now kind of like I would say roughly in terms of actual time put into it, we're sort of like toward the end of week two because we you know our time has been kind of split thing? yeah yeah because our time has been kind of split between Crashlands 2 and the old old games uh, updates and stuff like that, but uh, yeah it's it was for the, for quite a while it was weirdly hard to think about how to create these systems and like like you were saying it's kind of a bad time and i think yeah. it's 
And, and I think a big part of it was, you know, in looking at this giant game that we're planning on making, I was trying too hard to do too much too early mm-hmm. um, instead of just building incrementally toward where we need to go. And on top of that, um, you know, we, we haven't really been doing a lot of game jams. Like we, we did tons of game jams back in the day. And so the idea of just like quickly getting a, a completely new game system up and running in sort of like the quickest and easiest way possible um, was something that I just sort of did as a matter of course, like every couple of months, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for the past couple of years, we've done well, like, like one one game jam, yeah. one or two. And for the most part, I've just been working on augmenting already existing systems that I built quite a long time ago and things like level head or like this rumpus transition. And, uh, yeah, the rust is real. Like yeah. it's there. Um, and I'm definitely, I definitely feel like toward the, like, like what you were saying as well, toward the end of this week, suddenly something clicked and things just started really speeding along. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it was a real, it was a real struggle <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, there. and actually, I mean, that lines up perfectly with my own stuff. As Seth, Seth mentioned I've been working on actually programming at home now for, and by at home, obviously I'm at home the whole time, but <laughs> outside of studio hours, um, where for a long time now, so it used to be, and I'm sure if we go back to the history of podcasts, I, I'm sure I was excited about various things at different points. I was like, spent a weekend working on this or whatever. It, but for a while, I just haven't been doing any of that. And, uh, and recently I just decided that it would be fun to re actually like build my personal, like I have a personal website that's basically a blog that I haven't touched in two years. Right. (laughs) Right. So my personal website, I just literally mean like a website that I post shit once every year or two. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm I'm a web developer. Like why, why wouldn't I just have a fun playground where I can just go put some weird, cool stuff and like experiment Mm -hmm. and whatever. And, uh, and and so having a project then of like a thing that I could just work on, then it made it sort of start to sound fun and exciting and it, and it kind of got me back into it. And it's also been the same deal. Like when, I, when I first started working on it um, a few weeks ago, uh, it was just such a slog, right? To get started. I was like, I was like, oh, how do I organize this thing? I don't know. Like what, what tech do I want? Like oh, there was, everything was just a question with no answers and, and all of it felt too hard to, to mm-hmm. do, you know? And it was just kind of unpleasant. So I just kind of kind of not doing it. And, and spending like a little bit of time here and there. Um, but as I started to kind of keep spending a little bit of time in it and then doing research as I was doing it and then just kind of revel in the fact that I was doing it experimentally and I could do whatever I wanted and it didn't have to be good and it wasn't even something that I was publishing yet and all this kind of stuff, it started just kind of become more fun. And I started just to, I started to spend my time just digging into stuff. And so like, so, you know, things like accessibility on the internet, right? Something I didn't, haven't really paid much attention to. Um, but the people that I've, and, and like finding follow, finding people to follow on Twitter who talk about this stuff when, and normally I don't even open Twitter, right. But in my Twitter feed, just like full of interesting people talking about web stuff. And so I just like started to kind of immerse myself more and more into it. And to the point where now it's actually, I'm like having a blast doing this stuff. And like, and all I want to do now, as soon as I turn off my evening work is either get back to the work that I was doing during the day or go work on this fun side mm-hmm. project. Right. Yeah. On the weekends, that's all I want to do. And I'm just having a blast and, I, and I've been learning now such new difference, which I think is the key to this is like, I think, I think my, my work work, um, was just kind of feeling stale because like I never, it was so hard to feel like I had the excuse to, when there was something that I wasn't that sure about to like go really dig into that thing and learn about it. Or if there was like a new sub piece of the technology that I'm, that I'm already using that I didn't really need, I could get away with. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to spend the time learning that. Right. Um, but then in my off hours, I've just been doing that and it, and it took a while to get into that frame 
it's been a blast. I've actually brought that now back into work. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like, I should learn this shit because if I know that stuff, it's going to help me in the long term. It's a good investment, you know? And yeah. uh, so it's actually been great. I haven't been having a great time doing it, but yeah, but that I rest, feel though. like, yeah, I feel like this is, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about how like, uh, we, we don't do nearly as many game jams as we used to, or nowadays we don't, we just don't do any because we feel like we've gotten the thing out of them that we needed. You know, um, we've like learned the lessons of, of just how to like get these, like we built an MMO in a weekend for the last, uh, shenanigan jam, right? We kind of felt like, you know, we kind of hit a point where that's, we've did, we did it, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but also I, I think that really, like this, this conversation to me kind of points to the idea that it's not just about having learned the thing. It's also just about, it's about sort of, uh, do we talk on the podcast about the, like spinning up the helicopter yeah. rotors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you, you've got to, you've got to refresh that part of your brain, I think from time to time mm-hmm. of this, this, like just getting in there experimenting, playing around, mm-hmm. doing stuff without worrying about the consequences, without worrying about the cost benefit analysis or yep. whether or not you're even writing maintainable code or, you know, whatever. Well, actually, that's actually um, part of it is, is, is I've, what I've started to try to do is actually obsess about writing maintainable code, even when it doesn't need to be and like, and having that be my focus. Right. Mm. Yeah. So no matter what else is going on, like no matter, no matter how much I don't care about the thing, I'm just like, so, so for my, my side project, like rebuilding my personal website, just, I was like, I'm going to do this from scratch, really start that way just to see like all these questions about like, how do, how do these various pieces of the pieces of the, of the tooling work for all these really cool, elaborate front end webs, uh, web stuff that I've been using? Like, how does, how does it do that? Um, and so I've been actually then trying to build each piece from scratch, right? Fully knowing that I'm going to throw all this stuff away. And I'm actually already about to, cause I'm tired of doing this stuff from scratch. <laughs> uh, but it's been like fun and educational, but, but at some point I want to actually not build engines. I want to build the actual site, mm-hmm. right? Um, but each time I've been doing it, though, I've been just obsessing about making the code really good. Not because I'm going to maintain it, but because like I decided that if I focus on that, it's like one of those things that that if you f- choose one thing to focus on, that's a good thing, right? And just obsess about that one thing, then it's going to make it so that everything else you do is like there. There's there that story about uh, some company that was doing it's like steel a steel company, the steel company, right? That was mm-hmm. like having all this trouble, brought in a new person to run it, and like they were just having all this trouble, and the, the guy that came in to run it. Um, just picked a thing. He just safety. picked a thing. It was safety. Safety. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, and he said, we're going to obsess about safety. It's like, if anybody feels unsafe for any reason at all, we're going to fix that thing. If, any, if there's any accident at all, we're going to make sure we stop everything, we're going to fix that thing. And that was the number one thing. And it took and it, it took a while to get everybody on board because they were like, why? Why is this the thing we're focusing on, right? Um, in terms of the upper part of the thing and the lower part of the, part of the thing, though, people loved it. Because they they were the ones being yeah, <laughs> objected now, now to dangerous safer. working conditions. And the end result of this, though, is that by obsessing about that one thing that actually does have all these spillover effects into everything else, that the whole thing turned around, they became more efficient, like everything became better, right? Well, the the focus on that in particular, I don't think it was an arbitrary choice to focus on It was on an safety. arbitrary, I know. Yeah. I think it was, it was because they had a huge number of workplace injuries, tons and tons of lawsuits, uh, lots of people taking sick days and uh, oftentimes because they were just stressed and, and uh, feeling oh, just avoiding about, work, right? Yeah. yeah, just avoiding work. Um, and also if there's a sense that the people at the top will not spend like an extra 10 bucks to install some like safety hatch on a thing to keep you from dying, <laughs> uh, then, it, then yeah. it really speaks to how 
how they feel about you and how you reciprocate that feeling by not caring about yeah. them. Well, right? yeah. You have, yeah, you have to pick something so, that matters. Right? Yeah, yeah, pick something yeah. that matters. But, yeah. but, the, yeah. but the point is it doesn't have to be like we just need to make our widgets faster, right? Or we need to reduce the cost of things coming in or we need to train our the few people we have more so we can fire more of them and have fewer people to pay. Like it's – they didn't focus on that. It wasn't actually about cost reduction. Right. Yeah, but but also I think the 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 magic of this particular choice they made, which kind of connects back to what what you're talking about, Adam, is is safety is an inherent aspect of literally everything the company does. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so by focusing on something that's interwoven into every process, that now you have to rethink every. You process. have to evaluate every process exactly. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And so so by so that's kind of what my focus has been switching to, which then for my out of work work, my hobby stuff. Um, it's then made it just more interesting because now when I'm, now I'm just like focusing so much on the code. I'm actually not even worrying about the problem so much, right? I'm just like, I'm just like, how do I get this code to just like be really good, right? And focusing on that. And uh, and then I found that then like this this week and last week in particular, um, we're now working on retooling our, our stuff for GameMaker 2.3, which we talked about last week. And so I have to like, I have to rebuild a whole bunch of the stuff that I made, you know, six months or two years ago or whatever. And uh and now going through it, like all I'm doing is obsessing about doing it well. That's it. <laughs> that is my mm-hmm. like number one goal. And um, and I, I know what the features it has to have are, but I'm not I'm not even paying attention to those honestly. I'm just like, okay, this has to be done well, one step at a time. Do this part well, move on to the next part, right? And it's been it's made it just so fun, like so much more fun than it used yeah. to be by focusing on that. So it's been yeah, interesting side because on my on my end on the art side, it's like I I've been on the art and on the design side. Uh, I've been moving further and further toward this toward this idea of uh, emotionally centered design and art. So basically if, if the design doesn't, doesn't produce an emotional response, uh, then it's failing. If the art doesn't produce an emotional response, uh, then it is in particular failing. And so what that's done then is when we come to this idea of animating characters, it used to be the case that it was like, okay, Hey, we need to get this character to run or to eat something or whatever. Uh, and I'd be like, okay, what's the, what is the fastest way I can do that? Which always just amounted to sort of like, just sort of wiggling some parts around. Not a redraw. It needs to eat. Yeah, and uh, its mouth is open. Thing, right? Its yep. mouth is closed. There yep. it is. Uh, and then now it could become something completely different where it's like, okay, what like what is a hilarious way to eat stuff? And then how could I sort of map that onto whatever the form that this creature or character has? How can I make it how can I make eating fun? Right. Exactly. And then how can I push it even further? And then uh, how can I add a little bit of you know personalization and charm to it with this thing, and so it becomes a very—it's a much more fun problem at the end of the day. I think that's probably what it is. Like, it's yeah, because like, now you're not now you're actually not making a creature, right? That's actually not the goal. Right? A creature is a thing that happens as a consequence of, of focusing on trying to create an emotional impact. Um, mm-hmm. And the same way that for me, it's like code that works and does the job is now a consequence of me just trying to make really nice code, right? And I think it's an interesting shift in moving the problem to to basically a root, like as I said about the safety mm-hmm. thing, like something that actually carries through and impacts everything else that if you really focus on that one thing, uh, that actually might even be a more interesting thing than the, than the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, it helps you to uh, just like align yourself a little tighter. It helps keep things a little more, um, just like well-defined, right? Because trying to like set out and make the main character for the game. Yep. Like that's a ambiguous, really hard problem, right? Trying to make a character, but actually really it's trying to evoke a particular response, a very specific mm-hmm. response, right? Which is like in the case of our our player character is going to be you know gleeful abs- absurd movement so that so that so that movement is a, is a joyful thing to have right presumably um, although maybe something completely different by the time we actually get there uh, but, <laughs> but, but, that's but about right. yeah. yeah but the point being right like because so far with the prototyping that that Sam and Seth have done with the player character for Crashlands two 
That's exactly what it is. It's focused purely on like, it should feel like your character is having a good time. Mm-hmm. Right. And the design of the character and the animation then comes from that. It doesn't come from the top down. It comes from that little sort of like that interior part. It's also using that as a, as a standard. Cause we're, we also have we, we've talked about this idea of the beautiful cube on the podcast. I don't, I don't recall if we did, but, I sure. um, but we, you know, we had this idea that like, there's, there are other fundamental underpinnings that we want to focus on with crash dance too, that we haven't really focused on before. And, and another example of those is the game should just be beautiful, mm-hmm. right? It shouldn't, it shouldn't just look good or passable. Um, and it should, it should like be a Sam place said, you want to go. Like when you see a screenshot yeah. of it, you should be like, oh, I want to just get in there. I want to mm-hmm. be there. I want to just look at this. Um, and in when I was playing around with the uh, Unreal Engine quite a while back, I noticed something pretty striking, which is – Man, it's hard to make a bad looking game in the Unreal Engine. <laughs> like yeah. uh and and actually the simpler you you your visuals are, the better it looks. Yeah. Uh, and so if so when I was playing around with it, I just I just spawned a white cube, just put it in the world, and my God, was it beautiful. It just yep. mm-hmm. the, the bloom shader on the thing it's and well it had lit. like this uh-huh. it's well lit and it, like and it feels like and, it has uh, a, it feels like it has like a softness almost to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and you you kind of see this with the rise of the quote low poly um, indie games, which is a lot of uh, indie developers realize that you know with a good shader, all you need is color, right? Yeah, you and don't, you don't need color, textures. Then you already get emotional impact, right? Yeah, and so you have games like Ooblets coming out, uh, which look great, or uh, uh, Astroneer, which mm-hmm. is it's not about it's not about hyper detailed textures. It's about conveying emotion Stylization. through. Yeah. yeah, through like this stylized, just simple color thing, and so we're looking at. Uh, at the games that we make, and we said, well, well, we should try to to hit this tone, right? So, so even though we're doing two D and not three D, but it's still the case. Like we do have shaders, and we we, we do have things like in Crashlands, uh, we have lighting, but in a, in a sort of a different way. But you know, we have a day night cycle, and we have uh, the idea, that, like the way of having lamps and things that are lit up, and and we should be able to make that look beautiful, even if all we have in the game is cubes. And so that's what we're starting with is is as Sam is working on all the art right now, I'm I'm still just playing around with cubes mm-hmm. in the game. Just just colored cubes. It's a, it's literally just a drawing of a cube. It's not an actual cube, right? But <laughs> yeah. uh but but we're not going to we're not going to really start pulling the art into the game until we get the shaders where we want, the the bloom where we want, the post-processing effects, the day-night cycle, all that stuff, so that we're confident that no matter what we put in the game... It'll look good. It's just going to look good, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're, we're kind of... We're, we're taking our time with this. We're not rushing into just like, let's get an immediately playable thing with fully implemented art in the first week. Instead, it's let's figure out what our fundamentals are, nail those... Right out of the gate, um, and then build you know build on that foundation. Mm-hmm. So very because, yeah, the, the main thing we want to do with Crashlands Two versus Crashlands One was that uh, we and we talked about it a little bit in the past, I think, but but Crashlands One wasn't fun for a long, long, long time, right? And it didn't feel like it was even necessarily like well made, right? It, it, like it felt like you could see all the holes, right? Because like. The stuff that was in there was always was good, but it felt like it was just it always just felt like it was missing something, right? Like it was just like it was missing something the whole time until finally, like a few months before we launched the thing, it was we put done. A, we put the story, in. yeah, or finished story. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, it was ready and it was done. But, but even all the way through there, we were still like we were still like updating all the, all the crafting content. Like there were things that were changing all the time, um, but the design of it made it so that while those things were missing, the game felt incomplete and it didn't feel right. 
Yeah. And, uh, and that's our kind of our number one goal with Crashlands 2 is that there shouldn't be a moment in development where you go – Where the game is boring. Where the game is boring, where you hop into the world and you go do stuff where you're just like, why am I doing this? Like this is <laughs> this is unpleasant, right? It should be – and I think by focusing on like the – how the, the visual feel is, right? And then and then how it feels to interact with stuff, which are the sort of two staples, right? Yeah. And by just obsessing about that, then we actually that's how we actually start to create that where it's just fun out of the gate. Yeah. And I gotta say, you know, or a couple or a couple weeks in, I'm not gonna talk about specifics of the current state of the game, but if it's feeling it's feeling pretty good. That's really good. It's feeling pretty good. Yeah, Seth is gonna start uh, making some uh, some little videos every I don't know, a few weeks or something, right? But but kind of yeah. showcase the state of the game in that moment and kind of talk about what we're thinking what we think is going to happen next. Cause I think, cause he's already been doing this for like little show and tells at the end of the work day. And like, I, like I, I was already excited to see them now, but I was even more excited about the idea of in like two years coming back and looking at that and comparing it to whatever we have, you know, two years from now. Um, cause it'll just be so fun to see that. To see yeah, that. totally. And, and I, sh- I should also mention, I'm going to record these, but we're not going to release them just yet. These are, these are for posterity. Yeah. Um, and we, we may, I may sort of like compile them much later as the game is much further along and as like a look back on how the development, you know, progressed. Um, so very excited about that. As far as, as other, uh, studio news, uh, Roid Rage, the, the rumpus version of Roid Rage launched this week on, uh, Google play and iTunes or the app store. Sorry. They changed the name on me like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I still, I still haven't adjusted. Uh-huh. Um, so that update includes uh, an increase in resolution to Roid Rage. So you can just see more stuff now. And also it, it handles long phones better. Um, we updated the space background. So it's much more beautiful. And uh, it has Rumpus integration. So you can sign in using Rumpus. It's it's connected to all of our modern web stuff. Um, and all of your previous progress should just carry over and you should be fine with that. Yeah, so you will have to log back in if you had it before. You will have to log back in. Um, so if you forgot yeah, so this, both your email address and your username and your password, then you're just toast now. Well, you you were already in trouble and yeah. we just accelerated the process. <laughs> yeah. um, so that that's the first of our five five game rolling update. Yeah, we're um, doing it as a soft launch style. So, so we're, we're doing it in, in we're doing the games in order of them of people giving a shit, right? So Yeah. <laughs> so, so Roid Rage is the lowest on that, and, and which I think was proven by as I said before we started the podcast that there were literally zero people iTunes. playing on iTunes or on yeah. the App Store. Uh yeah, it's it's not a, it's not doing so hot on the App Store these days, Roid Rage. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh, that's okay. That's why we started with it. So uh, Flop Rocket is next. And I think uh, around the time that this this episode airs, uh, Flop Rocket will be launching uh, on Google Play and iTunes with the the new Rumpus updates. Um, And again, you'll be able to see more stuff. Resolution will be higher, Rumpus integration, all that good stuff. Um, And then I think after that, it'll be Talfight, then Quadrupus, then Crashlands. We're we're aiming for week by week, just in that order. so it's going to be really nice. It's it's been good so far. It's going to be nice to get all these updates out, and and uh, I'm excited to see how people respond. Um, yeah. And then one last note before we go into questions is the level head is going to be at this uh, Indie Land charity streaming event. So Sam, if you want to, yeah, uh, it'll be happening that. actually uh, the Saturday following this podcast. It'll be happening at 6 p.m. PST. And so this is like something that uh, level head was in, I believe, last year as well. And the charity streaming event, it's it's done by the completionists, run by uh, by him and his team, and it's a very cool thing. Just a, a basically a gaming charity stream, and they bring on 
all sorts of fun celebs and stuff. So I won't spoil what's going to happen with it. But uh, so, what's the actual date of that? That's um, it's like the whole week of next week. The night, the nineteenth, the twentieth. Or where can people go to learn about it? Indyland. Just, just Indyland. Yep. So and we'll be doing like, a just Google Indyland, and you'll and you'll see the info. And uh, we'll be doing a. We're sending out notes about it in, in a Ballyhoo and stuff like that, but uh, it's a it's a good week along or something like that event uh, raising money for dementia research, I believe. Um, so yeah, if they, if you're looking for something fun to watch, uh, something cool to do uh, on the on the evenings or just generally during the day, I guess even because you know pandemic 2020. So if you look for something to do, it's a good thing to check it on uh, and see kind of yeah. how, how things proceed. Cool. Uh, all right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question for this week is from The Viral Melon, who says, not a typical question, but I like learning about people. So, do you believe in a deterministic world? What's your general reason for your answer? Deterministic meaning what? Well, okay. So, I just watched the movie Knowing. It's a Nicolas Cage movie. Mm. Okay. And he's a physics professor or something. And early in the in the movie, he's presenting a lecture to his class about determinism. The idea that everything that occurs is a predictable outcome of the preceding thing. Everything is causally linked, and therefore, uh, it should be possible, under this viewpoint, it should be possible to predict literally everything if you had enough information. Um and so the the premise of the, this is like a 2009 movie. The premise of the movie is that he comes across this like ancient uh, – not ancient, but like 50-year-old prediction of all of the major disasters that have so, occurred so in the world. So just sort of old. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so he like becomes convinced in this determinism and blah, blah, blah. Huge disasters occur. It's a great movie. Totally mm-hmm. recommend. I'm not going to spoil it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I – I saw that and I thought this seems crazy. So I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah, the idea, the idea of determinism. Uh, I I I feel like I I get it, but also it seems impossible. Well, I think the the key here. So something to always remember is that things can be two things, right? Which is fa- famous Brooklyn Nine Nine wisdom, right there. I believe the correct quote is "stuff can be two Sorry, things." Sorry, stuff can be two things. <laughs> stuff can be two things. Okay, so I think it is fair to. Well, yeah. Okay. There are ways in which you could basically claim that the world is deterministic because of the fact that causality exists and the fact that if you rewind time, things happen in a certain way. So they must also happen in a certain way in the future, right? And then one thing leads to another. That's how causality works and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's fine. But it's also irrelevant because because the world is so complicated that it can be both deterministic and unpredictable, which is probably what it is, right? Probably the case, yep. Because – in the same way that we can't predict the weather any further than like five milliseconds ahead of time, like like realistically, we actually can't, right? We can predict like it's going to rain today with a thirty. You get macro chance. events, yeah. yeah. You can, but but even then, we're like, how much is it going to rain? Where is it going to rain? Uh, when is it going to? St- we have no fucking clue, right? Uh, and that's despite having infinite data and and so on. And you can take this to any level you want to. Like there, there's just there's enough like small variations in everything that. And because, and actually, because of causality, because everything causes the next thing to happen, mm-hmm. then the tiniest little variation in one moment is then is a whole butterfly effect thing, right? Is then the cause a million events downstream of the thing being that way instead of the way it could have been. 
Like a dude eats a bat in one part of the world one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, that's even what happened because we actually entire, entire governments are upended. Yeah. And it this, is like, this, is true, this is true for like any, any disease that jumps the, the human animal barrier, right? Is, mm-hmm. that, is that it basically happens once, right? But also, presumably it's it, happening constantly it, actually, but then usually yeah. it doesn't spread, right? But then every yeah. once in a while, it happened that one time because of one event, one just happenstance of like two things interacting in the right space at the right time and, and so on, right? But also you would think like it happened that one time for a reason. Like you said, everything's causally connected, right? Yeah, and when you say uh, for a reason, you just mean – I mean that there that I don't mean that like there was some kind of plan. I just mean that uh, that that there would be an explanation as yeah. to why this time it happened and previous times it didn't. Which right? is always and this is why everything is is post hoc rationalization, right? Yeah, because it's yeah. because we can't we can't predict the future because the future is too complicated because the present is too complicated. So I think I think the world is probably deterministic because of the idea that time moves in one direction. So I think like that's just like what it is, but that doesn't mean you can predict it. Mm-hmm. So right. That's, so that's it's, so so you would say the world is pointlessly deterministic. Yes. In the sense it doesn't that fucking matter. <laughs> well, because you can't grasp it. Okay. You can't grasp it. So yeah. So you can't determine it, right? In the yeah. sense that, like, we don't even have it. We don't have the ability to, in the moment, we we can't measure things well enough to know the actual in the moment state of the if. Of even anything. Like we can't even look at a fucking molecule and know what state it's in, right? And there's a whole you don't like, even uncertainty know. principle and everything else, right? We don't know you don't anything. Even know what's, ha- what's happening behind you, like right behind you. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. as I'm looking into a camp. I can see you, by, you know, behind but, me with this camera. Well, you can't – you can see around behind you, but your body is blocking part of your view. Yeah, there can be know? anything behind Sam right now. None of us know what's behind <laughs> It could, okay? yeah, it could be a stop, monster. It could be a monster. Right there. Like, an interdimensional monster that is just slowly – Creeping out of a slit in the universe. There could yeah. be a spider on your back. Yeah. I don't like this you know? game. I don't like this <laughs> deterministic universe issue. Yeah. yeah right. big, so uh, so it, might, it may or may not be deterministic. Whether it was or wasn't would have no consequence on the fact that it is unpredictable. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense that it would be deterministic, but also who cares? All right. Next question is from Beaky Bapa Boop. <laughs> Who says, do you think we'll ever get more stream game streams or art videos or web dev somethings? Why or why oh, not? Yeah. Hmm. And actually, yeah, going along with the thing I was talking about previously with me starting to kind of as a as a hobby basically just do fun web dev stuff on the side. Um, one of the things that's always kind of bummed me out is because we're not a we're not a web dev studio, right? And so the stuff that I focus on and like that I know about and that I try to like learn cool stuff about and have things that I might want to share and so on. Is stuff that we don't, as a studio, don't have a place to meaningfully share that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you to put that on like our YouTube channel or to even do a stream under our Twitch thing, which I have done in the past. Um, but, but even though it just doesn't make sense because that's not, that's not our brand, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as a consequence, I just kind of haven't done any of it. I haven't. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree because it also you? doesn't make, it also doesn't make sense for, for me to stream game development because we make games, not, not code. No, but right? but it is still part of our. Because I mean, you're not like I, yes, but but also, yeah. <laughs> but also part of our brand actually though is is in um, talking about game development and talking about the working in the indie space and so on. And actually, our podcast is you know gets into that a little bit, and that's basically kind of an extension of of that. Um, and and a lot of our of our audience that looks into our stuff is other game developers. Right, so 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 on the one hand, yeah, if we're, if we're just trying to sell this like direct to consumer, then literally none of what we're doing makes any sense except for selling games, right? And putting up YouTube videos that are 
our games and like uh, us playing them or their trailers of them mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so in that sense, sort of everything else that we do is, ex- is sort of extraneous and potentially even getting in the way of stuff when the, when the channels are the same. So like if we're talking, if we're talking like the YouTube, right. Um, then anytime yeah. we put up a video that isn't us trying to sell a game to somebody, it's possible that we're actually winnowing out people who would otherwise follow Losing our channel. Losing subscribers. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that obviously isn't true because we don't put any other video content up. And so we don't, <laughs> ha- we don't have anybody to keep. And so then that's fine. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, so the point being, though, like it, just, it feels like it's always felt to me that the web dev stuff was just a little too far afield, even because I agree with Seth mm-hmm. that actually, like, even the game dev stuff is actually, like, not quite. Because we, we don't post, we don't, like, all of our cool technical stuff that we figured out about game dev, we also don't post on our blog, right? We sometimes post it in like gamesindustry.biz or Gamma Sutra or whatever. But even those places, like if I just want to talk about web dev, those are not the right places for that. It's got to be then about games again, right? Uh, and so, so yeah, so actually I've been considering um, on on the side as just part of this fun, like fun side stuff of doing pure web dev, uh, like actually making videos. And maybe even make it, I've actually, I talked to Sam and Seth to see if it'll be fine. Um, and they said yes about making videos about the web stuff that we do in the studio even. It's like a tour of the internals of, of Rumpus and like that kind of stuff. Because again, there's like, there's no way for me to, there's just no proper channel for that in our normal stuff. But if I was just doing this for funsies on mm-hmm. the side, then that would actually probably make sense. So it is something that I'm personally exploring is, is figuring out how to, how to make this stuff available um, in a way that people can get access if they want it, but not as part of the sort of official canon of. Let me ask you, studio. let me ask you this. What if we made a, a separate uh, YouTube channel that was just B Scotch Dev or something. Yeah. And it was because it would make a lot more sense, for example, to have the game dev streams be, you know, over there as yep. well. Um, and basically just say any anything that's interesting that's a development thing that we want to talk about, but feel like it would be super weird to, you know, put that through our main uh our main gaming audience channels. Right. Uh just put it over there. Cause I I, I think it's you know, the fact is like Well that's the question. Like for all three of us, like we're just we're just figuring this out live, right? Yeah. Do all three yeah. of us like are all three of us wanting to post like weird technical shit that we just don't think anybody is gonna care about and so there isn't a place for it? Is that like is that where all of well, our I, I think that I mean that de- that desire comes up all the time, but it, there's always that question of branding and marketing and whether or not it fits with this or serves a broader purpose. But I think, you know, we gotta think back to the the core reason why we're doing this to begin with is because we enjoy it and it's fun and we're interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who cares? You know, like if uh, if something that you want to do, you should be able to do it. And if we we should be able to find a place to, you know, mm-hmm. to to make that happen. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, I, even more importantly, though, I think the 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 exercise of doing these things is, I think, really really pays off once you actually get people to see the thing. Right? You don't, you're as much as you want to do the thing. Uh, the purpose of it is not just to do it; it's actually to share it, uh, which requires someone else to see it. Right? Well, even even uh, when that isn't like even when the purpose is and actually that is true. Right? Because like the, the side project of making a website is so that I have something that people can look at. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually a little bit less about so that people can see it. A little bit more about uh, it feels like there's a little bit just enough more of a reason, I guess, um, to do the thing because because there, there's mm-hmm. stuff like uh, like writing posts about how certain things work. Right. Yeah, or or cool stuff you've discovered, or whatever. Like, yeah, there's definitely a part of that where you're just like, you want other people to to read the fact that you discovered this and like and learn about it, and, and you want to share that thing, right? Um, but also, you want to just you want to be able to write it, and it just feels a little too pointless just to write it and then tuck it yeah. away and like right. And so, yeah. I, I think having that layer of of sharing is actually important, and it's something that I know I personally just have been missing because I just didn't feel like there was appropriate venue for that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which was what, and that's actually the main reason I set out to go start rebuilding my own website was so that I can just start posting that stuff there. And then not, and then as I said, not give a shit about whether like, is this appropriate for our particular audience? Like, is this going to interfere with something else we're trying to do? Am I going to get in the way of our YouTube channel? Like trying to publish it? Whatever, like, yeah, I think, I think we need to kind of, we, we need to kind of respect that we do have kind of a strange audience, right? Because, because a lot of, like you said, a lot of our podcast listeners are other developers, but also quite a lot of them are, are players. It's kind mm-hmm. of this, this, this mix. Um, and then a lot of the video content we put out on our YouTube channel, game trailers and then development videos and also GDC talks and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a 50, 50 split between us selling games and us just talking about really, really specific details about how we made something. Um, and these are really just directed at two completely different groups of people in yeah. a lot of cases. Right. But we, have, uh, we, we only have like one umbrella currently. We've got like yeah. a YouTube channel. We've got our blog on the website. Right. And like, we're, and we're mixing streams in these locations in a way that yep. just doesn't feel like it makes any sense. Maybe, yeah. So it might be something to just kind of think about, trying to figure out a better way to, uh, you know, send the right information to the right mm-hmm. places. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. Well, that's interesting. So we don't really know, I guess, is the answer of when these things will come back. <laughs> but uh, it's it's more complicated than you would think. It's probably why. Yeah, I think there, uh, there's a clear hurdle in the way, which is like feeling like there's a place for it, um, which I know, at least for me, like that's the main reason I haven't been doing basically any of it. Um, it sounds yeah. like for Seth, it's a similar deal, actually. That's for me, it's just the time thing. It's just the fact that, like, you know, it, I think it's the the funny thing when you look at any, even a time lapse video afterwards is that, especially a time lapse video, because it seems because it's all sped up and stuff, uh, it doesn't seem like it would take a long time to actually, you know, cobble the whole thing back together and then get it posted. But it's still a couple of hours, and like. Mm-hmm. I would rather take a couple hours and make a weird cyberpunk castle right now. Cause I think it's <laughs> right. just where I'm at. Like I, I don't know if I moved away from, I think after the last art video I did, I'm pretty sure was when I was redoing some of the quadrupus artifacts in Inkscape. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Years ago. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I did one during level head. Um, and I think at the time I was very much feeling like, like I knew what I was doing. You know what I mean? Where I was like, yeah, look at this. Look at, here's how you do this. And I think that to be that fair, you, is, you were still then an Inkscape virtuoso. So, like, oh yeah, very much so. It was but still think, very neat. But I think you know, going forward from there, it's become much more of a thing where I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm at a place yet where I want to share the things that I'm doing because I feel like I'm still figuring out. Oh no, this is interesting because yeah, because actually, I feel the same way, but in a way that actually makes me want to share, right? And I think, and I think for me, it's that, and it, and it may in part be because like I, I do feel like a weirdly, and I know it isn't actually like fully true, but I feel like the odd person out in the studio um, because my role is like the most tangential actually of everybody in the studio in terms of like doing game stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm building tools and websites actually. And then, and then web tech to support the game. But it's, it's just like in the end, it's just, it's just raw web technology, like just basic normal web technology. Right. And so I feel like I'm missing a community in the sense of like people who mm-hmm. I can then say like, Ooh, look at this cool thing that I did or Hey, and, and then the they fuck get is this? It. And they yeah. get it, right? <laughs> yeah. Even if, even if like, even if when they get it, they're like, Oh yeah, you fucked that up and did that wrong. And like that sort of thing. Right. And yeah. so for me, it's actually less about sharing, uh, you know, expertise, quote unquote, right. And more of just being able to share, right. And having mm-hmm. people who are interested. Um, and so, so I, I definitely can see that and the whole idea of like, do I have something worth sharing? Right. Do I, am I at the right place? And there was actually a point, I, th- I feel like there's a, there's a hump. Because at the beginning, I was in the same place where I was like, every time I did anything, I was like, oh, this is like, I'm awesome. Like, somebody should know about this, right? It's the whole fucking J curve against Yeah, yeah, yeah curve, exactly. Right? So you get to the top of the curve <laughs> and you're like, I'm basically a piece of human garbage, right? Uh, so, like, I made this thing. Who's going to give a shit? <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody can do this stuff better than I can. 
So who like I don't want to talk about it. Just, like if somebody sees it, I'll just be embarrassed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to the other side of that, you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. We should all just like collaborate, you know, and figure out like let's just mm-hmm. all do a shitty job slightly less shittily. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with web dev, and I want to I want to be able to like just talk to people about it. You know? It just makes me think of my my DevOps GDC talk because there were there were basically like two kinds of responses I got. Oh yeah, uh, right, yeah, yeah. Which was either, oh my god, this is amazing, this is life changing, this perfectly encapsulates all of the problems that my studio has had. We're gonna try to do all the stuff that you guys did immediately, mm-hmm. right? Like that was one. One type of response. Uh, the other response is, yeah, Duh. obviously. Yeah. This is super basic. <laughs> I can't believe, I cannot believe that you guys didn't know this and that they that there's even a GDC talk about this, yeah. right? Which I think if you encapsulate that, that response to Seth's talk as like the reason why you should be sharing stuff, like that's it, right? Yeah, because again, like it's obvious once you know it. Yep. Yeah. But if you don't, it's not, Somebody right? out so- there doesn't know, right? It, it, it's this thing, it's yeah. things too, like, when I mentioned a few episodes ago, talking about the B-Sketch ID stuff and how like there's no test environment, there's no development environment, it's just literally me changing code and pushing it into production, hoping for the best, right? Without a doubt, from our listeners, who are many of them are devs, right? They either didn't know what I was talking about because they don't care about any of this, right? Or they're a fellow developer who was like, oh my God, that's a fucking nightmare. I can't believe what happening to that. <laughs> and then there's another set, and not insignificant size, who were like, wait a second, that's how I do that's, my web dev, That's right? how I do it. I probably stop doing that. And so- yeah, if you if you just recognize like you're ne- you're never writing articles for people exactly like you or people who are experts in the craft or whatever. When you're sharing stuff, if you're you're sharing it with whoever the fuck the audience actually is, right? So if you're going to start writing about something, the audience will form around the level of like knowledge required to understand mm-hmm. that thing. And you don't have to be an expert; you don't have to be whatever. The whole point is sharing. I think when it comes to like Sam for your stuff. Um, I think the art is is so much more approachable and is also so directly tied to like what people actually get out of a gameplay experience that seeing any kind of stuff, no matter how shitty it is, no matter how far away it is from production, whether it's going to end up in the thing or not, and having again, that's, that's the idea of having a separate place for all of this, right? Uh, I think it would actually be just super fascinating for people. Mm-hmm. I know, like I'm even, even about it, inside yeah. our own studio, like I'm, I enjoy yeah. the shit. Like you, you've been like sharing stuff for the weekend of like. This like weird stuff you've been making that isn't about our games at all. It's just like stuff that you're making, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super cool. It's like it's fun to see you like doing cool stuff as an artist, and then also then over time being able to now look at like what happens in our games, and then sort of mm-hmm. like see how those things are related. Uh, it's just very cool and interesting. And there and there there are people who would just love to see that stuff, independent of whether any given piece is particularly good, right? Or right, you know, whatever. So yeah. Wow, Ooh. really so really gave us something to think about there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Old beaky, old boop boop. Did we do two, two really? questions this time? Did we do a good job? Oh, we hit two whole questions. Um, and the next question, we're not going to do. Ha! I tricked you. You guys <laughs> thought I was going <laughs> to, at the one hour mark, you thought I was going to jump into a new question. I'm not. Because that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> so we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything you could ever want out of life. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.